0: We're developing the anchors which Kerry Jones spoke of three weeks ago. Last week it was. What was it last week? <laughs> Just testing. God is good. Thank you, Harry. This week, God is all powerful. Wonderful. God is all-powerful, and He is. He is. Yes, I hope you'll begin to see that as we think together. If you go to Blackpool, on the promenade at the Cleveland's end, you can find a plaque which commemorates a tragic death about 40 years ago when an unusually high tide caused somebody to drown. And on the plaque are these words from Psalm 93, verse 4, Mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. And we've seen the power of the sea, have we not? Particularly when the the tide is high and the wind is strong. But the psalmist declares that our God is even more powerful. Powerful. And all the powers within the created world. We love to sing, How Great Thou Art, and in there we've got, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. And when I think of God being all powerful, that's where my first image is of, of the created universe. What an amazing place with our earth, a tiny little dot in the midst of all this that God has created, the all-powerful God. It's, it's the big dimensions. It's the world. It's the nations. God is all-powerful. And it can seem sometimes as if I'm just a spectator of all that because it's out there and it's so big and I, by comparison, am so small. So I need to bring it down to a personal level, and I do that because I recognize this all-powerful God can save anybody. This all-powerful God can heal any disease. This all-powerful God can restore any broken relationship. This all-powerful God can provide every need. This all-powerful God can protect us in any circumstance, he is all-powerful. How does he reveal his power? Oh so many ways. Yes, in creation, we stand and admire the sunset and the mountains and the clouds and all the rest of it. But he shows his power to us also in bread and wine, as we've been reminded this morning. Wonderful symbols of the body and the blood, but powerful symbols. Not just symbols that we can look at and say, oh yes, that happened 2,000 years ago, but symbols that can affect my life today. The broken body, the shed blood, because there's power in the blood. There's power in the Word. The spoken Word that came from John this morning and from others. And the written Word, of course, the Word of God so many ways. And the name of Jesus, that beautiful name, that wonderful name, that powerful name, it is a powerful name. There have been times, not so much recently, but years ago when I used to wake up in the middle of the night, and you know you have that sort of moment of anxiety. What woke me? Is there somebody in the house that shouldn't be here? And all kinds of things go racing around. Yes, anyone been there? It's not just me. And I found that just by speaking out the name of Jesus, just calmed me straight away. Jesus, Jesus, because he's there. He's with me. He is all-powerful. The all-powerful God, of course, is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father sent the Son into the world as a one-man powerhouse, if we can put it like that submitted to the Father, anointed by the Spirit. Acts 10 verse 38 says this, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. The power of the devil, very active, still today, very active, but the power of God so much greater, the all-powerful God. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest, to destroy the works of the evil one. And he's doing it today, this all-powerful God. And then Jesus went to the cross, as we've been reminded with the body and the blood. The death and the resurrection of Jesus and his return to be with the Father opened the way for the Holy Spirit to come the third person of the Trinity. And the Spirit came, why? To make some more powerhouses. Not just one, Jesus, but millions across the world. Millions of powerhouses, including you and me. Isn't that wonderful? The Holy Spirit is God on the earth right now. And he's active on the earth right now in millions of lives. Acts 1 verse 1 speaks of all that Jesus began to do and teach. And then you read through the rest of Acts and see some amazing things going on. But you can look down 2,000 years of history and see some even more amazing things that God has done and is continuing to do by the power of the Holy Spirit I sometimes think that this all-powerful God could have done it differently. He could have had a a sort of array like an aircraft cockpit with all kinds of buttons and switches. And he could have pressed a button here and that cancer would be healed. And press another button here and a, a drone would go whooshing off to deliver food and medical supplies to a disaster area. It would have been so easy, wouldn't it? This all-powerful God, he could have done it that way if he'd chosen. But he chose not to. He chose to do it through the people that he created in his own image. He created mankind in his image to share his heart of compassion and love and concern, care for one another, and he invested his spirit in people like us so that we could reach out with his love and compassion. And yes, he took a risk, because we can make mistakes, can't we? We do make mistakes, don't we? But through it all and beyond it all, the all-powerful God can use us, even fallible failures as we sometimes are. Because at heart, if we're born again, if we're filled with the Spirit of God, we are a compassionate a caring, a charismatic people. Charismatic, filled with the Holy Spirit and expecting to use whatever power tools God equips us with to meet people's needs and to extend the good news of God's kingdom. It's an amazing combination when you think about it, the all-powerful God and little old me and little old you or little young you, some of you. Most of you, by comparison with me, okay, I know, I know, I know. Um, You get this combination. Let's, if you've got your Bible, just turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We'll just read a few verses there because it is an amazing combination, this all-powerful God working with and in fallible human beings. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 1 This is the New International Version. Paul writes, When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling... This is the Apostle Paul, by the way. The wonderful, amazing Apostle Paul that God used in so many wonderful ways. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. Can we identify with that? I think we probably can. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, which Paul could have used because he was a very educated man, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom but on God's power. That's it, folks. Yeah? And and similarly, further on in in, uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, he says, again, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power And just in case we haven't got the message, it comes again in Thessalonians 1 Thess 1.5. Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with conviction. Do you know what the world needs now more than ever before and more than anything else? It needs to see and experience the people of God, the body of Christ, filled with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with conviction. Are you up for it? I'm glad some are. I've heard Christians say how blessed they've been when they were sitting under the ministry of some great men of God, people like Alan Redpath or John Stott from a former generation, Sitting under their ministry, and I I just wonder whether all this sitting under their ministry has really made any difference, Uh, whether they have gone on from that into active cooperation. I'm sure for many it is the case they have. Active cooperation with the Holy Spirit to advance the kingdom. I'll, I'll quote you a couple of influential Christian leaders whose ministry I have sat under Uh, Terry Virgo, for one, Uh, Terry Virgo operates very much like Kerry in an apostolic ministry uh, based down in the south of England. Uh, He wrote this, the advance of God's rule has always been through demonstrations of power. Not through wise words, not through eloquence. The advance of God's kingdom has always been through demonstrations of power. And a man called Gordon Fee, I've read books, I've not heard him speak, but he wrote this. The message of the gospel is truth accompanied by experienced reality. God verified its truthfulness by a display of his own power through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We can expound the truth, we can get into the Word of God, We can listen to these great men of God and they will teach us and we'll build up our understanding of the Scriptures. We get lots of input, but where's the output? That's what really matters. Has it made a difference on the inside so that I go out in the power of the Holy Spirit because the truth has to be verified by the demonstration of power. Otherwise, it's just going in and not coming out. So sitting under someone's teaching is not enough. Uh, with the Apostle Paul, of course, you get both great teaching and great miracles. Uh, the man who wrote Romans also raised the dead. That's not a bad track record, is it? Uh, even Nicodemus made the connection when you, you remember he came to Jesus saying this, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. The teaching and the miraculous signs. The one authenticates the other. And they recognize that in Jesus. He had both the Word and the Spirit. We need to be a people of the Word and the people of the Spirit. Doing the stuff. Walking the walk, not just talking the talk. Amen? If you visit a National Trust property, some stately home perhaps, when you buy your ticket, you'll probably be given a a leaflet, um, a map to show you the the way around from room to room. Uh, It's much better, of course, if you have a guided tour from someone who knows a lot about the place and can answer your questions. Gwen and I, (coughs) Gwen, my wife and I, some years ago, went to the Houses of Parliament thought it would be interesting to, to go around. And um, I paid for the tickets and thought, wow, that's a bit steep. Um, but then I realised that it included the services of a tour guide. I know oh, it was fascinating. Rather than just relying on, you know, the printed word, to have somebody there who knows the place inside out, knows the history, and knows the present-day workings, day by day, of how Parliament operates, just fascinating i well worth the money. Um, well, as Christians, we don't just get the guidebook. We get the tour guide as well. And his name is Holy Spirit. Yeah. Harry last week pointed out, and John has uh, eloquently reminded us today, that the anchor of the ship um, is put down in the harbour. But the ship is intended to sail away, not to stay in the harbour. It's important that it has that stability in the harbour. So that while preparations are being made for the next voyage, it can be in a solid, secure place. The tide comes in, the ship doesn't move. The tide goes out, the ship doesn't move. But as John reminded us this morning, it is not designed to stay there. Important to have that place of security. As Christians, it's important to have a place of security in God, a place of rest. Uh, Where is it? Hebrews, I think it is, talks about the place of rest, the importance of having that place of rest where we know that our relationship with God is stable and secure. That's our anchor. But we go from that place of rest We set sail, we launch out into adventures with God with the wind of the Holy Spirit in our sails. Anybody up for that? Me too. Sadly, I believe it's true that too many Christians find that place of rest and they stay there. They say, in effect, yes, God is good. Yes, God is all-powerful. He has brought me salvation in Jesus and I thank him for that. He provides for all of my needs. And that's really all I want. And I think, how sad. Because the narrative of your Christian life has only reached chapter one. There's so much more. Why settle for that? Oh, but the world's such a dangerous place, David. Haven't you seen what's going on around the world? It, uh, it's just awful, so I think I'll, I'll keep my head down and try to shut out all the mess and all the noise. And I'm sure there are people around with that attitude right now. There's a guy in the Old Testament who had exactly that attitude. His name was Gideon, and he was hiding away because the land in which he lived was being oppressed constantly by an overwhelming enemy, power. Um, so he was hiding away trying to get by day by day, and then God turned up and said, Gideon, I've got a job for you. (laughs) If you know the story, you'll know why I'm laughing. You can read about it in Judges uh, 6, I think it is, 6, 7, and 8. Gideon took some persuading and some prodding before he would agree to do what God called him to do and equipped him to do. God said, you you know, you won't be on your own. I'll be with you. Just follow my lead. Do what I tell you. And we'll defeat the enemy. And eventually, of course, that's exactly what happened. The enemy was routed as a direct result. So, if you tend towards that attitude of hiding away, can I encourage you not to do so, but to realize as the prophetic word Reminded us this morning that God is in control and God wants us to set sail. God wants us to have adventures, and some of them will be very testing. But God will see us through, and we will see great victories if we trust the all powerful God. People have talked in recent times, still talking about the new normal. Yeah? Have you heard that expression? The old normal wasn't good enough apparently, but things have changed. We accept that. The new normal. I I believe for this church, now I've not checked this out with the elders, but I'm pretty sure they'll agree with it if I say this. For this church, I believe that the new normal includes opening ourselves 100% to the work of the Holy Spirit so that He among us can operate in the supernatural as well as in the natural realm. Don't be put off by this word supernatural. We're not going all spooky, weirdy, weirdy. We're just saying that God is super beyond, above the natural. And he comes by his Spirit to enable us to live in the supernatural. That's what God's about. So, we can add to the, shall we say, the basic Christian values of compassion and care and love and welcoming and support, etc. That's all good stuff, and lots and lots of people do that, and I'm not against that at all. That's part of the package. But some situations will not open up unless there is a supernatural intervention, and we have got to be primed and ready for that eventuality. We don't just stay in the comfort zone. This is what I do. Well, this is what God wants you to do, and that's get into the supernatural as well. And how does it happen? Well, it happens in all kinds of ways. Um, I've been blessed over the years, a a number of times God has given me a word of knowledge. And uh, it was interesting to see a young man here this morning. I think the last time I saw him, he was in the meeting here, and God had given me a word, emphysema. And I knew it was a a breathing problem because an old mate of our family had it years ago, emphysema. And I just spoke it out at the end of the meeting. I said, if there's somebody here with emphysema, please come forward, make yourself known, I'd like to pray for you. And that happened. This young man came forward. And I had not seen him from that day to this. And I checked with him before the meeting, and he ain't got emphysema. <laughs> That's you, Craig. But there are so many gifts, a whole range. You can read in Ephesians and in 1 Corinthians and in Romans, the gifts, the ministries, the activities of the Holy Spirit, and I don't think it's even limited to what's in the, in the Scriptures, really. There's so much scope for the Holy Spirit, provided there are people ready, primed, filled, anointed, willing, expectant to get the job done. We've all been signing up for these life groups and uh, getting quite excited, and rightly so. Something different, something new we pray that they will go well. Bringing people together. I wonder how many will also sign up for a life in which we dare to believe the all-powerful God can use us to make a difference in people's lives. Yeah? To make the impossible possible. That's what it's about. And some people back off and say, well, I I don't think I have much to offer, little old me. Well, what did Moses have? He had a stick. A stick. And God said, come on, Moses, I'll use you and I'll use your stick. What did Samson have? The jawbone of an animal with which to fight off and beat down. I don't know how many enemies. What did David have? Five round pebbles. To go and sort out the giant. What did one young lad have when Jesus was confronted with not just 5,000, that was 5,000 men, but probably eight to 10,000 people, all hungry, starving hungry. End of the day, ha, guess what, Jesus? We've got five loaves and two fish. Let's be joking. Oh, put them in the hands of Jesus. Miracle. super abundant miracle, because not only were those thousands fed, but they gathered up all the bits into baskets. There was an amazing response. I'm going to invite you in a moment to demonstrate whether or not you mean business with God. I hope you do. I'm not trying to force anybody into anything. I'm just saying God is so ready to do so much with a willing people And I I want so much for us to be a willing people to work with him. To say, yes, thank you for the safe anchorage I have in my relationship with you, Lord. And I'm now ready to launch out with the the Spirit and the all-powerful God. But just before that, I'll give you five things very quickly. Five things I believe are essential if we are going to make the impossible possible, okay? So, pin back your, I nearly said, pin back your logos. Who used to say that? No. An old-time comedian, I forget who it was. Showing my age again. Was it Frankie Howard? Okay. Five things I believe are essential if we're going to see the impossible become possible. Number one is testimony. Testimony is so important. We need to be hearing from people whose lives have been changed because God intervened. Don't wait until you've been healed from cancer, wonderful though that is, but if God enabled you to find a petrol station that had petrol in it this week, why not? We need to hear. How did God impact your life this week? And why is testimony so important? Because testimony spurs faith. We hear what God has done for this person, and we think, ah, maybe he could do something like that for me, or maybe he could do something like that for so-and-so that I know about. And I can go to that person and say, here, I've heard this testimony, and on the basis of that, this all-powerful God wants to use me to bless you. Can I lay hands on you for healing or whatever it is? Yeah? Testimony starts the ball rolling. Number two, repentance. Ooh, that's a grim word, isn't it? Repentance simply means turning away, turning away from that which is not of God. And if I have a skeptical attitude which says, "Hmm, I'm not really sure that God can make the impossible possible through me. Or it might be the complacent attitude which says, I've got all I need, God, thank you. I'm ready for heaven. No. Come on. Let's repent of those. Number three is prayer. I still have and I still use a wonderful publication, which I think Harry produced probably a couple of years ago now, Student Prayer List. Uh, lovely pictures and some details about some of the Edgehill University students. Uh, many of them have now graduated, but some of them are still around. Um, And uh, there was space at the back to add some more names, which I did. And uh, I still use that. I pray for people. But what I want to mention is this fantastic rendering of James 5 verse 16 that's on the front. I don't know what version it is. Um, It just says this. Tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. I'll read it again. Tremendous power, tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Anyone believe that? I'll see you all here on Wednesday night. I'm serious. We'll be here. We'll be passionate, we'll be praying, we'll be praising God, we'll be heartfelt. Let's use the opportunities that we have to pray and believe that God can and will make a difference. Testimony, repentance, prayer. Number four, expectancy. I brought a word last week. We need to raise our expectations. Don't settle for what we've seen so far. There is so much more to come. There really is. Some of us have been in meetings where an outsider might come in and think, this is mayhem. It isn't mayhem. It's the Holy Spirit at work. And we long to see demonstrations of spirit power. We know that God is sovereign. He can do it in a moment. He can just press the button and things will happen. But he does also tie himself to us and say, well, are you ready? Are you expectant? Do you really, really want this? And if we are truly expectant, then I believe we'll be seeing things happen. And number five, we must be prepared, as we've been saying, to put our faith into action, not just to believe, yes, God can deal with that situation, Yes, I suppose he could possibly use me to deal with that situation. (laughs) But I'll actually go to that person and say, I believe God has this to say to you. Or, can I pray for you? I see that you have this particular problem. Putting our faith into action. It won't always be spectacular. In fact, most of the time, it won't be spectacular. That doesn't matter. What matters is that we hear from God and we respond to God and we do the stuff that God has called us to do. I'm going to ask the uh, worship team if they'll come back up. And as they're coming, I just want to remind you, finally, of something that Jesus said, which blows my mind every time I read it or remember it. And it's in John 14 and verse 12 and this is Jesus speaking, and he says, I tell you the truth. Now, when you see that phrase, that's the old verily, verily in the King James Version. I tell you the truth. That means, underline this, folks. This is really important. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Anyone who has faith in me will do what i have been doing anyone 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 who has faith in me but there's more he will do he will do even greater things than these because i'm going to the father can you believe that jesus said that he did say that to stimulate us to encourage us to raise our level of expectancy and faith That this all-powerful God is going to use little old me and little old you to make the impossible possible. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. He was going to the Father. The Holy Spirit was then coming to make not just the one powerhouse, but millions of powerhouses looking rather like you and me all across the world. Are we up for it? Are we up for it? Good. He went via the cross and the empty grave to be with the Father so that the Spirit could take his place here on earth, filling and flowing through the lives of every true follower of Jesus. So if you mean business with God, if you are willing to lay it all on the line and say, God, all-powerful God, I'm not sure how you'll use me, but I'm willing to be used. Have your way in my life. I want to be so full of the Holy Spirit that your love, your goodness, your power, your compassion just flow out of me in rivers of living water to bless others and to advance your kingdom. If that's you and you're able to stand, I will invite you now to stand. and I'm deliberately not looking out to see who's stood and who hasn't. That's not my business. That's your business with God. I will just say this on our behalf. Lord, have your way. We don't back off from the power tools that you can give us to deal with seemingly impossible situations. We ask that you will equip us and anoint us and use us For the glory of your name and the extension of your kingdom rule. Thank you, God. Amen.